And welcome back to Night Cheese. This is Steven. And I'm Tim. And I'm Jared. And uh, thank you for your patience, everyone. Um, it's been a while since we've uh, put together an episode. I think it was um, sometime earlier this summer. Uh, yeah. ju- late, late June, I think. <laughs> or Maybe. Uh, and we're coming coming down to the end of August now, so uh, no big, no, not no big secret. I mean, we haven't really we kind of talked about it before. So uh, my family and I have moved across the country, and so uh, I'm in Los Angeles, California now, and um, so we're we're hours apart. And I think in all of the uh, hurriedness and and chaos of moving one's family across the country, it kind of threw a little bit of a wrench into our plans. And we had a recording plans that is, and we've had a few hiccups. On along the way in all three of our lives, I think since the last time we recorded. So, but we're all back and, um, ready to just, uh, shoot the breeze about some recent, uh, recent releases that have been out. So, um, for tonight's episode, we want to entitle this episode variants. Um, so for those of you who've been paying attention to our episodes in the past, Sure, you'll probably figure out that uh, Loki is going to be one of those discussions, and later on we'll also be discussing James Gunn's The Suicide Squad as well as anything else we feel like talking about just because it's been a while. So uh, here we are. So, guys, uh, how's it going? Uh, Well, I think I had sort of a little panic attack just hearing that name, um, Variance. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So, uh, not, I'd, I'd say not off to the best start right now. But, um, Tim and I don't have the best track record for episode titles after coming back after like a long. It was actually, it, it's actually a great episode title, yeah. you know, in, in a vacuum. Um, but <laughs> yeah. just in the broader context of the world, just some anxiety inducing material yeah. there. I don't always have a lot of nuance and tact in my episode titling. I'm not thinking about it. Yeah, Varian is not a not a wonderful choice. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. I hope <laughs> I hope that doesn't step on anybody's toes. We the the word variant is is heavily used in the Loki series, and that's the only place we were coming from. Well, that and the fact that we'll get to this later, but uh, James Gunn's Suicide Squad is. Is, is, is different in a sense that it's not a true sequel. It's not really a true reboot because it uses some of the same characters as David Ayer's Suicide Squad, but it's also a new story. So in, in a way, it's almost like the Suicide Squad in a different timeline in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's almost like a variant of the, of the last Suicide Squad we got. So um, that's all we were going for. Um, so thank God we didn't do Chuck Norris's Delta Force uh, this episode, <laughs> um, things really could have gotten out of control. So, um, <laughs> nevertheless, speaking of out of control, um, they finally decided, Marvel finally decided to release the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer um, after that thing spun off the rails. Uh, did, uh, so, my understanding, I mean, I, I've seen, I saw Twitter was clamoring for the trailer for like months and months. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. um, but But there was some sort of like unfinished CGI trailer or something that leaked somewhere with like it was recorded through like three phones at vertical standpoint like it was just real real like low grade stuff but <laughs> but, it, but it leaked onto the internet did either of you like hear about that or see any of that or anything Tim yeah um, heard about I, I didn't watch it myself but yeah it kind of just exploded and so there would be you know you'd see like screen grabs and it was yeah this hilarious image of like yeah multiple phones 
recording each. I mean, it was just a very sort of inception level uh, leak. I mean, it was, it was, I couldn't believe it, but yeah, uh, it was, it kind of, I mean, it's been one of those things that's for whatever reason, and I guess it's because of all just kind of the build up and all the rumors surrounding the film. Um, it's been, everybody's been, clam- I mean, for months been clamoring and wondering when it's going to happen. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see anything from it. I think I heard what happened at the very end of the trailer. And so I kind of got spoiled um, on that when I saw the actual trailer, but um, I I just kind of laughed at a lot of the memes that, that came along (laughs) like during the process of like um, the expectations for, for this trailer. And it was like all these people, you know, it was like Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield and John wick and Godzilla and just like all, you know, the dragons from Game of Thrones, like, you know, we're it's expecting space all, jam yeah, we're, Spider-Man. yeah, we're expecting all of this in here. Uh, so I just laughed at a lot of those memes. And then I think you saw the one I, I posted, Stephen, of um, it was from the dark night where Batman's uh, beating up Joker and uh, screaming, where are they? And, and, <laughs> and it was like it was like all of us when we didn't see Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield, you know? So, uh, yeah, the, the memes have been, have been pretty great for, uh, for that trailer, but yeah, the, so anyway, so, we're, so we have an actual trailer now. I mean, what, what do you guys think of, think of it so far? Assuming we've all seen it, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. No, I, yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, right. I mean, I, I thought it was good. I thought it was, um, you know, I, I knew that they wouldn't, I didn't expect them to give us certain things like, you know, Toby Maguire or, or something in it. So, um, so I, I really had fairly tempered expectations for it. Um, cause I, I just, I don't know really what we're going to get exactly from the movie. Um, but I mean, I liked that. I, I thought it was, um, it, it took a different turn than what I thought it would, because it's almost like, I don't, I'm curious to see how they work this in with, with Loki. Um, because it was almost like it was creating a scenario where Dr. Strange and and Spider-Man open the multiverse sort of independent of what happened in, um, Loki. And so I'm just curious to see like how much they'll try to tie that in for people who may not have watched a Disney plus series. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see. Same as Jared. I I was kind of expecting it to be more coming from Loki, but it looks like, yeah, they're involved to some extent. I will say I'm really excited, but I, I, I'm with Jared. I kind of tempered my, you know, there's so much hype. So I I definitely wanted to, and it's a teaser trailer too. So of course they're not going to give like a ton of stuff away, but, um, I, I was a little, I'm a little curious though about the main, like, kind of imp like the impetus the main plot point or the the way things kind of get moving as far as like the reason why it all happens like if it feels like if it's something very dangerous i don't know i was kind of wondering like would would he stock strange really do this if it's something that kind of Same. big of a, a danger over the, and, and I, granted i know peter parker's identity that's a bit you know that's a big deal but mm-hmm. it just it just felt kind of like not immature but it, it felt like you've just been through all this chaos would you really risk something for you know for that i don't know well well we've already spawned the 
theor- the theorizing that it wasn't Doctor Strange, it was actually Mephisto, because that's just what we do now. Is that's that the go-to every, theory. Is that every single, just with <laughs> with WandaVision, um, with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, actually, I don't know if it was really much of a thing for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but definitely with WandaVision and Loki, um, there was a lot of talk about Mephisto. And so mm-hmm. now the whole thing... I, the the theory is yeah it was Mephisto it, it, that wasn't really Doctor Strange at the beginning it was Mephisto that's why the whole place was covered in ice is because Doctor Strange was fighting him and then and then you see him light the fire and that's a key you know that's a a clue that it's <laughs> Mephisto so it's it's just kind of comical at this point but I I agree it was like I think I mentioned this to to Stephen at least where it's like yeah it is kind of weird that you know it seems like such a you know, not a trivial thing for Peter Parker, but, uh, you know, you wouldn't risk the universe or the multiverse or whatever on a personal problem for someone, you know. Well, too, I mean, I think it's a brilliant storytelling perspective from Peter's side of things. I mean, it is his whole life. and. He's looking to just have it undone. And, you know, to play devil's advocate or, you know, Mephisto's advocate here for um, <laughs> for a second. Um, number number one, I've also heard, you know, the, the if we're going to put on the tinfoil hats for a second, that that might be Mysterio masquerading oh. as Doctor Strange, um, which would be which would be I, I, that wouldn't explain the spell casting um, unless it was just more special effects. But um You'd think the whole point of Far From Home is that Peter is able to sense what's real and what's not mm-hmm. now with his uh, spider sense. Yeah. So that that would kind of not not wash out there. But I got the sense, and and I, I'll credit Jared for this. Uh, that was pretty a pretty funny observation. That you know, if you haven't seen the trailer, we're we're already spoiling it anyways. But <laughs> um, you know, Peter requests of Doctor Strange to cast a spell that the entire world will forget he's Spider-Man. And so he starts to cast it and Peter starts realizing having like instant buyer's remorse Mm -hmm. because it's like, Oh, the girl I like, you know, Zendaya, she's, she's not going to remember me now. And my friend Ned and my aunt May, and like, you know, all these people aren't going to remember that I'm Spider-Man. Um, and he keeps interrupting him during the spell. And Dr. Strange is like, please stop. Like, do, do not mess with the spell. And that's what causes things to go awry. And Jared had said, you know, this is almost like, a, you know, storytelling on screen for when Tom Holland lets all the spoilers <laughs> loose on talk shows. Yeah. How he just ruins things with his mouth. Uh, and awesome. which is so, yeah, so on point. Um, so I wonder if maybe the spell, like maybe Dr. Because they do have a line in there where strange or the a voice pretending to be strange on there says the multiverse is something we know very little about. So like maybe, and, and, and I will also say that strange as a character is very Tony Starkish in the sense yep. that he kind of over inflates his own sense of yep. accomplishment and ability. So in his own arrogance, he may think it's a simple spell. Yeah. It just requires concentration. And when, you know, the teenager comes and wrecks your concentration, um, it's strange as consequences may be bigger. His his Ultron moment. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Strange's uh-huh. Ultron moment is eclipsing Tony's Ultron <laughs> moment for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go big or go home, yeah. Strange for sure. <laughs> um, 
But, you know, it's interesting, you know, we talk about Loki and that moment of opening the multiverse and, and branching off all these timelines and stuff. And I have a couple of thoughts on that. Um, one is what we see in Loki, and I want to get there, get back there in a minute, is the branching of all the timelines. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, because the whole thing in the TVA was pruning them just to maintain one timeline the whole time. And, and that series or that season ends with multiple timelines existing now to the point of like critical mass. And Strange almost seems to be collapsing the multiverses on themselves or something like they're converging. Um, so maybe those are two different things or maybe they are layered together. And speaking of layered together, I saw an interesting like YouTube clip where someone um, paired up that scene in the Loki finale where uh, Jonathan Majors, who's awesome, um, was talking about the moment where he could no longer see the future. Mm. Uh, and they had it lined up with WandaVision when Wanda fully realizes herself as a Scarlet Witch and Agatha gets scared and says, you don't know what you just did. Um, which, you know, when you see those things running on the same screen at the same time, it makes it almost look like Wanda had a, had an effect on that as well. And I find it interesting that both that all three, Doctor Strange, Scarlet or Wanda and um, Loki all have histories with three different infinity stones. Mm. Um, so it's, it's interesting there, you know, with Loki with the Tesseract and Wanda with the mind stone and Dr. Strange with the time stone. And, and, you know, we've got the Eternals coming up soon that is going to be, who knows what that's going to be, but there's, there's a whole lot going on there. And uh, Shang-Chi's out in a few days, you know, so who knows? I don't know if they'll dip into that or not. But anyway, it, you know, I, I'm, I'm very interested in this multiversal approach to the next phase and what's going yeah. what's going to come of it. It just opens yeah. so many possibilities. So I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. And I will say for for the Eternals, I really liked that second trailer. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm still iffy of how the movie's going to work. Um a little yeah. nervous about it. Uh, I want to see it do well um, because it's got two two actors from Game of Thrones in there. Um, <laughs> but also just like halfway joking and, and halfway being honest, like I, I, I think I probably most relate to a group of people who have just walled themselves off away <laughs> from society <laughs> for thousands of years. Jared will not interfere. <laughs> So I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm on board with this. I get, yeah. I, I, I get why you would just abandon humanity and you know just go hide and you know. It is, it is good timing right now between the Eternals and Shang Chi. Shang Chi is also about like, I really need to distance myself from my family right now because they're making some questionable choices. Right. Um, and then yeah, the Eternals just swearing off civilization as it is. Um. So yeah, that's that's intriguing. Um, I got to wonder because in that second trailer, they said that end game snap released something, the deviance or something, I don't know, some kind of the, the emergence. I think it is like it, it allowed like what everyone returning allowed the emergence to begin, which I don't know what the emergence is. So, so is that the third time Tony Stark has screwed humanity then? <laughs> 
I mean, at that least. was his snap, right? You know. Yeah. Um, I was sitting there thinking the first time I said, "Are they talking about Hulk's snap or Tony's snap?" I don't remember. But anyway, so yeah, uh, Tony, even in death, ruining things. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, let's, uh, let's talk about Loki then, shall we? Um, it was a real, you know, I, I had a lot of fun with Loki. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it was real talky, um, you know, which I heard a, um, a reviewer who's much more talented than I am, um, um, describe it as there were a lot of COVID shots, <laughs> uh, in that series of, <laughs> Of two people in a large room having a conversation and they were distance enough away from each other. Um, so many scenes yeah. <laughs> like that um, in giant room, giant empty rooms, um, which I mean, you know, you, you have you have to do what you have to do if you're going to yeah. keep producing things during this time. So I'm not pointing the finger too hard, but just an observation. But that being said, um, Anytime Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson shared screen time together was just yeah. uh, some real magic. It seemed like a real yeah. Disney Plus friendly version of True Detective or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good that's a good comp. Yeah. <laughs> so I for those of you who don't have the stomach for True Detective, please go watch Loki. You'll kind of get the best of it uh, there. Um, but yeah, that. Um, Owen Wilson and 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 uh, Tom Hiddleston great together there and and uh, they play with a lot of a lot of time um, and uh, and all kinds of crazy things. So, um, what uh, I, I I don't I don't want to presume, but like you know, do you guys have a did you guys have a general satisfaction with that series or uh, disappointment or you know because you know we're at this point I know where you know what if is airing right now, but you know this was the third uh, consecutive. Marvel series, live Marvel series. How did that stack up for you guys between WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Mephisto? Soldier, sorry. Uh, so <laughs> I'll I'll go first because we can probably end on a on a higher note with <laughs> with Tim. Um, I was somewhat disappointed with it. I I I still liked it okay. Um, but I thought it was the weakest of of the three between. WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It was very talky. And I think, you know, I've mentioned to you before that can work with a series like The Leftovers. Um, yeah. obvious, obviously very different, much heavier material. Um, <clears throat> but I mean, that show just repeatedly violated the show don't uh, tell rule to great effect. I mean, they could just have close-ups on two people and the acting was so good and the dialogue was so good that it just, you know, was just a plus uh, chef's kiss to all of it. So um, Loki, it, it, it didn't work with me that way. Um, and I hadn't thought of that. I, I mean, what you said about like a bunch of COVID shots does make me a little bit more forgiving of it because that could have been part of it. That could have played into it. Um, because otherwise, yeah, like like the first couple episodes of Tom Hiddleston and um, Owen Wilson, I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is a great, I'll take this, yeah, buddy cop series. And then you know, then he goes off with Sylvie, and I'm like, okay, well maybe we'll do this for like an episode or episode and a half, and they'll get them back together. And then they just really didn't. And um, a lot of that just seems sort of, I don't know, it seems sort of forced to me in some ways, and like the chemistry seemed forced. I mean, they were, you know, her character I thought was fine on its own, but just the two of them, 
it, it, it just seemed very forced in terms of them instantly falling in, in love with each other. Um, you know, it seemed like they were almost, you know, this sounds like harsh. I don't know that I mean it quite to be this harsh, but it seemed like with Loki, it was almost like they were trying to repair his image for him to go on like the, the you know, the cover of like to, to go get into a boy band or something. And like, we really need to, this is the, the tiger, this is his tiger beat or whatever <laughs> moment of like, he's completely reformed and he's sensitive now, you know? And I just yeah. like, I, I, with that character, you know, I, I didn't want to have to go through the same character arc that we did before. I liked the fact that like up front, they're like showing him his life and he, he kind of has a similar like epiphany that he, you know, that he had and actually going through all that. Um, so I kind of liked that, but I, I still kind of wanted him, that character still needs an edge to him as this sort of like little bit of unpredictability and scheming. Um, but he can still be, you know, he can still be overall a hero or at least an anti-hero or whatever, but it just seemed like they went too far with it for me. So you know, I'll like anything that that Tom Hiddleston's in, and and he says he want he'll he says he'll play Loki forever if if Marvel wants him to do it, and I'm I'm all for it. But um, it it didn't quite land for me the way I the way I hoped it would going into that series. Yeah, yeah remind me about forced chemistry when it's my turn because I want to say something about that. Uh, Tim, you go next. Okay, yeah, I think I probably over overall I probably liked it more than Jared, but I I had similar issues with kind of the middle section of the show, kind of where what Jared said with his him and Sylvie kind of going off and doing their own thing briefly before getting recaptured. It, it yeah, I don't know. I, I, I ended up liking them a lot towards the end, like their kind of their uh time together. But yeah, there was there was a it felt like a, a definite dip after he and Owen Wilson kind of separated. Um and it was a, a really dialogue I don't know why for some reason it didn't bother me that much. I don't know why that is um, but, uh, but other than that, I really, I mean, I feel like just so much of the, and we saw it, you know, in WandaVision too, but so much of the production design and so much of the, the, the vision behind it, the, you know, the way the TD, the TVA, just all aspects, like just stuff that you wouldn't even think of. I, I just really was impressed at how they, um, imagine things and, um, really kind of put you in this in this new place. I don't know. I, I really enjoyed that a lot and, and overall love. Yeah. Love the show for sure. But, um, but definitely, you know, a couple of those, uh, similar quibbles, like a couple of the similar, um, things. What was, there was another thing that I was like, had thought about, Oh my goodness, it left me. Oh yeah. Kind of, and similar to kind of what you said with, 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 uh, Loki's arc, I feel like there was like, especially I loved the first episode where, yeah, he's shown his life and there's a lot. I mean, I imagine a lot of, things you would question in that situation, especially, you know, once you see the drawer full of, you know, infinity stones and things. I mean, there's all these things, but I feel like so much happened so quickly. There was so little time to kind of pro kind of process and arrive to where he did end up. You know, I feel like he was just kind of thrown into so many different situations that I would have liked to see more of that sort of, I don't know, kind of wrestling with that. I mean, there was, there was a fair amount, but um, I think that might've been my only, but I feel like it's, I'm, I might be being way too nitpicky, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I will say one of my, my, the thing that I love and we're talking about, you know, talking and dialogue, I did love how the end kind of culminated in a really long 
episode of just conversation instead of what you're kind of used to, like the last final, these final immense battles. And I did like that they did something different with that. And and I think Jonathan Majors, I think that probably helped <laughs> that that situation out a lot. I think he really added to that. And maybe it wouldn't have been as good, you know, if it wasn't with him. But um, um, but yeah, overall, overall, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I think that was a good point, Tim. I really enjoyed the finale as well. I thought it was really wonderful that the big, tense climax are working towards something really simple. Like, Mm -hmm. is this person going to be killed or are they not? Mm -hmm. Like, and it's just, it's just very matter matter of fact. Like, I wasn't even expecting there to be any kind of a struggle or a duel or anything. It's just like, it's like, you know, he's accepted either they're going to do it or they're not. And, um, and, so there's not going to be a maybe it's just, you know, it, it's it, to it. And um, so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed for it to be so conversation heavy and dialogue heavy. Um, I really enjoyed the series for for that aspect of it. So uh, talking about forced chemistry and I hate to make it sound like all three of us are just coming down on the Sylvie character, but we kind of are, I guess, like I, I think I had my least interest in, in, her, in her character out of all of them, uh, including all the female characters. Like I thought the, um, I can't remember the name of the character, but the hunter, you know, the, the officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, I thought she was really strong. I was really interested in Ravana, uh, her story too. Um, and so uh, Sylvie, I think once the story tells you that she's just another Loki, I kind of when we've already spent 10 years with one Loki already, mm-hmm. how much more can, can you make yourself invested in them? You know what I mean? Well, unless, uh, unless it's an alligator or an old man, in which case, yes, you know I, what? I immediately, I immediately take invested. it back. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was actually invested in all the other Lokis. <laughs> yeah. 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 Gator Loki was my, my I, favorite. I want that series is old man and old man, Loki and alligator Loki. That's the <laughs> next, that's the next Disney plus series I want. When we oh, talk yeah. about forced chemistry though. Um, I was, uh, I was talking to my wife about this the other day, actually. And I can't remember what spawned that conversation, but it's a, it's a, it's a little hobby horse. I jump on every once in a while. I'm um, going back to the movies of my youth where it seemed like studios felt the need to shoehorn romance mm. into a story where the strongest relationship was actually something rather platonic. Mm-hmm. And um, I think of, you know, two of my favorite childhood movies, Back to the Future and The Karate Kid, and your your strongest relationships in those movies are Marty and Doc and Daniel and Mr. Miyagi. And, yep. and just the kid just has to have a girlfriend in those movies, you know, or else, I don't know, the... Never mind. I'm not even going to finish that sentence. But you know, like it's just, it just seems like something that has to be force fed, whether it benefits the story or not. And, and I will say, them introducing hints and parts of a romantic element between Loki and Sylvie, I only enjoyed because it further realizes that the only thing Loki truly loves is himself. <laughs> uh, and so if he's going to fall in love with somebody, of course it's going to be a variant of himself. Um, so, so in that regard, I appreciate if they had to do it, it was going to be that way. Um, but I, I will say if my interest waned at all during the show, it was when they were spending most of their time alone together. Um, the, I think the peak 
minus the final episode, but that was mainly because Jonathan Majors really, and I was interested in whatever exposition his character had to offer at that point because I was invested in the story. But really what really kept my attention was any conversation between uh, Owen Wilson and and Tom Hiddleston. And, um, and so that was, I'm glad the story, I'm glad the series started off with that because, because I was hooked and invested and knew no, it was only going to be six episodes. I was like, all right, well, I can ride this out. Um, it took me like four weeks to watch the final episode, but it did eventually. And so it, uh, um, you know, I thought it finished out strongly. I really enjoyed, like, I think it kind of referenced already at the beginning of my little rant here, but, um, that the final episode really was just a tense conversation and, and wasn't surrounded by an action piece. Um, and you know, it really was kind of a, surre- I don't know how I ranked them. I know so far WandaVision is still my favorite series, um, on yeah. all accounts, even, even with the ways that show frustrated me or I felt didn't deliver on something. Um, and all the others are kind of tied for second, uh, for, for different reasons. Like, I mean, Falcon and Winter Soldier, we talked about that and some of its shortcomings, but also it was really action-heavy in some places, and when it did that, it was really good. Um, meanwhile, here, when it was dialogue-heavy in some places, it was really good, but its action was, you know, it was just all right. And I mean, that's what it was trying to be, though. So, um, But yeah, so Loki, interesting, interesting series. Um, and I'm one thing, I, and, I, and I love, I love that Disney Plus is doing these series because... Um, they get to play with these formats, you know. Yeah. Um, there's no way that would have passed as a feature film. No, um, that story, that Loki story. <laughs> no. Did um this wasn't in our pre-recording conversation, but did you guys watch Black Widow? I did. Yeah, same here. I did. Okay. I wasn't really planning on having a Black Widow discussion at all, uh, nor do I really want to now either. All the other than then I enjoyed it. But um the post credit scene seemed to potentially set up the Hawkeye series. Right. Which, which yeah. now has me way more interested in the Hawkeye series. I thought that was something I was gonna have to begrudgingly get into <laughs> just yeah. so I could say that I watched all the series. But now I'm like, wait a minute. Florence Pugh is slowly becoming one of my new favorites around here. So same. She, yeah. She's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, speaking, I'll say this, uh, whatever. Um, I'll say this real quick. We were trying to watch a, uh, speaking of Florence Pugh, we were trying to watch a, uh, some kind of intense movie and I wasn't usually, you know, we'll scroll around the streaming services and try to find something. And if the kids notice something they want to see, They'll ask, you know, we'll show them the trailer first and maybe I'll go to IMDb and see if it's actually appropriate you know, like before we actually watch it. And I was out of the room. I might have been running an errand or something. I came in and we already had, they had not watched any trailers yet, but they had like a list of stuff we'd want to choose from. And immediately one stuck out. I was like, I know I've heard of that somewhere. And it was Midsummer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and once I saw, like I looked it up, I was like, oh, no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. That's a big no, guys. Sorry. Right. And they're like, what? You know, because the trailer it's a good trailer <laughs> yeah. um, I'm like trust me no it's not a good idea you're just going to have to listen to your dad on this one and I told <laughs> I showed out I showed my wife all this stuff and she's like oh no I don't know Florence you great actress just uh, you know as long as she got the right audience in front of you yeah yeah well it reminds <laughs> me almost of um, I, you know after Home Alone 
and uh, Macaulay Culkin was so popular. And then so um, I knew more than one parent or grandparent who would like see him on the box of a, you know, VHS tape at the, at the, um, rental store. And, you know, and, uh, so one of them was like the good son where he's, (laughs) you know, where he's evil. And then, uh, the other one I'm blanking on the name of it, but it's where he plays the kid who like dies from my girl, my girl. Yeah. He dies from like allergic reaction to bee stings. So yeah. Um, yeah, a little bit, a little bit in that same vein there. Yeah, he used that home alone money. Decided he was going to try to have a career. <laughs> yeah, right. and uh, he made some interesting choices at a young age. Yeah, uh, but I was—I think people have 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 well more well received my girl over time than the good son. Uh, that that was just troubling. Yeah, I still remember. I still remember a scene from that trailer where he was like going to throw. Was it Elijah Wood, the other kid? Elijah Wood was the yeah. other kid. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he was like going to throw him off a cliff or something. Well, and I think like, it, I think it's where like he and Elijah are both hanging off the cliff, and the mom has to decide which one she saves or something like that. <laughs> it's his choice. Yeah. But I remember there being a point in, in the trailer or a commercial when he's like, if I let you go, do you think you could fly? Oh, I remember that. Like, I remember that I now. Was like, this is terrible. <laughs> like, you never did this to the wet bandits. Oh, man. <laughs> Weird stuff. Okay. Well, as we're getting into morbid violence, I think it's a good time as any to segue into Perfect. James Gunn's <laughs> The Suicide Squad. Perfect transition. Uh, Currently available on HBO Max. Um, I don't know how much longer at this point because we're recording here at the end of August. So probably for only another week, week and a half or so. But I'm sure it'll come back over because HBO Max uh, owns all the DC EU films. And and, um, I'm sure it'll come back right away. Um, Well, I... I did not know what to expect from this. Did you guys ever, did, did either of you see um, David Ayer's Suicide Squad? I did. Yes. You did. We all saw that. Okay. That thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> which I feel so regret, I regret that so much because I, I really enjoy David Ayer's work, but that, and, it, and you know, he to this day still says he kind of got Zack Snydered on that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if that's fully the truth, though, to be honest. I'm not sure either. But it does. But it is like a similar parallel in that it almost felt like, you know, there were enough similar similarities with this movie where it almost felt like watching the Snyder cut after watching Justice League. Yes. Uh, with with these two, you know, a, a little bit different, but there's, you know, sort of a similar vibe there. Absolutely. You can see. You can see Gunn's fingerprints all over this movie. I mean, the music from the very beginning, the music choices are better. Like, and I'm not trying to pick because I'm, I'm David Ayer is not responsible for every decision that got made for that movie, so I'm not going to blame him for all the things I didn't enjoy about his cut of it. But one thing that was really heralded about that first Suicide Squad movie was its use of music in the trailers. Like, they had one for like uh, they used like Bohemian Rhapsody in one of the trailers and got a lot of attention for that. And um, I remember enjoying the trailers for Suicide Squad, notwithstanding some of the Will Smith stuff. He just we'll get into that later. But um, this time it opens up with Folsom Prison Blues uh, with Michael Rooker sitting in his cell, and I'm like. I already think this movie's better. Right. Like, um, <laughs> it just, it, it fit, it just fit the tone mm-hmm. of what he was doing right away. Like it was not, 
it's it, this is going to be hard for me to get behind my own statement here. I'm going to have to try to flesh it out a little bit. But I think one thing that made this movie so much better is that it wasn't overdone, which is a hard thing to say considering how over the top it was. Yeah. But but it never felt like they were trying too hard <laughs> to to be something. Like it felt like the whole time this this Suicide Squad film knew exactly what it was trying to be and decided to be it. Um which I really enjoyed. Uh, great. There are multiple scenes in the film that are, gr- especially considering the uh, the opening, like five to ten minutes, um, are great subversions of expectations. Yeah. Yeah, man, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're totally going to ruin this movie. I'm sure in, in, in plenty of ways and, and spoil it. I mean, it's been out long enough now. If you're going to see it, you've probably seen it, but you know, the whole opening of the film sets up the team to go to the Island of Corto Maltese, which good for James Gunn or, cause I think he wrote the film to this, this draft as well. And, um, uh, that's an Island used a lot in DC comics and stuff for, for various things. It was in the dark Knight returns. It was even for a, for a second in the original, in the 89 Batman movie too, um, where Vicki Vale took all of her famous photographs that made her a famous photographer. Um, yeah. So like with the stuff the Joker's looking at and he's like, Oh, I love your work. You know, it's cause she was, she had gone to court of Maltese. So anyway, um, (laughs) they, uh, you know, they show up on this Island and it's like, you know, Michael Rooker and then they throw this curveball at you because they've got Jai Courtney and Margot Robbie there with you. But also like they got Nathan Fillion and Michael Rooker and and um, Pete, Pete Davidson, Pete yeah. Davidson, yeah. Uh, Flula, Flula Borg uh, in there, too. So, like, you know, it's the kind of cast that you're like, OK, listen, I already know that some other actors are going to be in this. But OK, it's yeah. just a big cast or whatever. And they just get wrecked. Yeah. Like in the first minute, like all of them, pretty much except for Harley Quinn, um, immediately get butchered. And it's um, and it is the most uncomfortably funny thing yeah. I think I've seen <laughs> in a long time. Yeah. Just the initial um, the moment, the initial like the very first obviously where we went with like, you know, the very first weasel, you know, falling out with everybody yeah. else, you know, into the water. And they realize, Oh wait, we didn't think to ask if we could swim. He drowns. Yeah. I mean that immediately I'm like, Oh, okay. This is what we're dealing with. Okay. This is going to be pretty funny. So I, I, yeah, from that moment on, I was very excited. Yes. And I loved, um, you know, they, they, um, Nathan Fillion's character was what the detachable kid and like, you know, he stands up and has the big hero pose and his arms pop off and they go flying towards the enemies and they just start like slap fighting (laughs) these soldiers. And and you just realize like they, you know, they, they come into an ambush already. So it's like a dangerous, a really dangerous, uh, uh, more, you know, mortal situation here. But then on top of it, you find out they were going to be outmatched anyways because these are like the worst group yeah. of Suicide Squad <laughs> that could put together. Like they're so all so unimpressive. Yeah. Um, javelin. Javelin. <laughs> and um, the uh, monster girl. I can't remember her name. But, you know, like all yeah. of it just, yeah, it was just terrible. And so then, you know, you find a few miles away, Amanda Waller played by Viola Davis, who is just awesome. Mm-hmm. 
um, is, you know, saying, let's check on the B team. And that's all like the A-listers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> come up out of the water. And, you know, it's Idris Elba and John Cena and uh, King Shark, who's played by Sylvester Stallone. Um, and uh, who else? Polka Dot, yeah, the Polka Dot guy. Um, oh, man. Anyway, so, yeah, it's just a, just a hilarious, you know, um, swerve you know from the opening scene um and that's who you end up seeing in the film so um yeah why don't you guys tim if you want to go first like just tell me like some of the stuff because you um you got to see a little bit earlier than the rest of us didn't you yeah i i this was just one of those luck of the draw things i got i was able i had an opportunity to go see uh had like this early screening like a week before or so and i don't I, I was excited to see the film. I wasn't like, it wasn't like I was clamoring to go as soon as possible, but just it came up and I was like, Hey, it's a, it's a, a real thing. It was free too. So I was like, yeah, let's do this. And I, I, I may not give away too much of the moment, but I, I, I just thoroughly really, really enjoyed this, the film and the way, you know, James Gunn, he's done it in maybe in smaller, you know, ways with like Guardians of the Galaxy, but just the way he was kind of able to infuse and connect the, the, you know, this sort of gross humor, uh, the silliness of just, you know, putting all these kind of weird um, B, C, D, whatever D list, you know, comic book characters, but then also injecting a lot of heart into it as well, where, you know, yeah. I granted the cast is not everybody, but the ones that really matter, like you really grow to care about and see the purpose in them, even though they're, they are these D list, you know, these sort of like, never going to be seen again, probably in a, in a, in a film characters. Um, so I, I really, I just, I really enjoyed it from beginning to end. I just, I, I had a, a lot of fun and it's things that I'm, I'm glad James Gunn was able to do again, because I just don't know, like the idea that they would use Starro the Conqueror and it in right. his full glory, like, you know, purple, there's these wild mm-hmm. wacky colors. It's just the silliness. I just, it's one of those things I, I can't see happening at all like i was just so surprised to see it happening on screen at all so just the way that he was able to get away with it and also do it well i just i was i really really enjoyed it (laughs) yeah Yeah. you know um real quick and then jared you can take the floor I, i just um something i really enjoy um about these is um you know it's it you keep talking about like the d list superheroes well like you know by the end of the film, I mean, you know, multiple heroes survive, but two of the ones that survive are like the most useless. Well, almost the ones who make it almost to the end are two of like the most useless heroes out of both teams. You know what I mean? Like, um, like if you were just to look on paper and see like, oh, this girl has rat can talk to rats and, mm-hmm. and you know, this guy just shoots polka dots, you know, whatever, you know, like they make it all the way to the last act to the last fight when, when there are just deaths all over the place mm-hmm. in this movie, you know? And, um, I love, you know, um, Taika Waititi, um, shows up in a flashback as, um, rat catcher Two's father. Yeah. And, um, and he has a line that says she's asking him why he's so fixated with rats. And, you know, that gets passed on to her. He says, rats are the lowliest and most despised of all creatures, my love, but if they have purpose, so do we all. And, you know, that I think is what really encapsulates what's so special about guns filmmaking. Is that like, he's so weird. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But, you know, you can be that weird and still have a genuine emotional impact. And I, and I think that was, you know, I don't, I don't want to lift one up one film, tear down one film to raise another one up. But, but one of the things that lacked so much to me about that first take at Suicide Squad, because that wasn't a bad cast no. uh, the first time, but it just didn't feel like it executed to me because it felt like it was like the heart was the, the heart of that film felt a lot more pretentious. Mm-hmm. Um, and Idris Elba and Will Smith are basically playing the same character. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I mean, granted, I think even Will Smith would probably say that Idris Elba is a better actor than him, and that's not a diss on Will Smith. Uh, I like Will Smith when he's doing things that Will Smith is good at. Um, but the tone for this was not a Will Smith joint, so to speak. Um, and... You know, his take, you know, the whole time was like, I think that the, the old Suicide Squad, I think, just trying too hard all around. Like the the joke that I always used to make about that one was how many times, you know, take a drink every time Will Smith says we're the bad guys. Like, like you have to remind the audience. Yeah. That they're villains. Um, and then on top of that, like the total horrification of Harley Quinn in in the in the old one mm-hmm. and i feel like in this one even though it's it's a harder you know r rating mm-hmm. i think she has more self-respect as a female character in this film uh than walking around like a prostitute you know so like it um she feel like i felt like she had more agency in this film and i got a real kick out of um she kills a character and then she um goes on to talk about being in toxic relationships, you know, obviously referring to like the Joker. And mm-hmm. she has this whole monologue while this guy's like bleeding out. Yeah. Which is just the kind of just the kind of thing that this movie does. Like and and it and it was hilarious and and in a dark way and 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 awakening. And, you know, but but at the same time like awakening of her as a character like to me. And I don't know, I just I just felt like Gunn really knew what to do more mm-hmm. with these characters than anybody else he would have you know I I have a feeling they probably would have wanted him as soon as they saw Guardians of the Galaxy I could just imagine DC being like man I wish I had something you know anyway but go ahead I I mean no I um no I I agree I I, I'd kind of forgotten that about the the first movie um what you said about the fact that they seem to always go so far out of their way to be like remember we're bad we're bad guys (laughs) and it's you know, and um, Will I think Will Smith had that line where it's like you know some kind of Suicide Squad, or I, <laughs> I, I could be like I could be yeah. like butchering exactly how I said it, but it always it always like struck me as um, I always thought back to like Hot Tub Time Machine where they're like, is this some kind of Hot Tub Time Machine? You know, <laughs> <laughs> it just it just tied back to that for me. Um, I thought what was. I was I was not impressed by the trailers for this movie, and I was like, because like James Gunn, you know, we even talked about it when um, I think when when I don't remember if it was when he got fired from Guardians when it looked like he was going to get axed from Guardians or what, um, but you know, I even said like, man, he would be perfect for 
like Suicide Squad. It may have been like after they announced they were doing another one. I don't know. Anyway, um, so I was excited about it then, and then I saw the trailers, and I'm like, uh, maybe this didn't work after all. I don't, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I got into the movie and loved the movie, and I'm, I'm not surprised that it was funny uh, or that the action was good. Um, but I, I was a little bit surprised that they were able to put that much heart into it, which again, I guess maybe I shouldn't have been because he, he did a good job with that with guardians, but Marvel films are, you know, sort of a different thing. So, um, like you said, like Harley Quinn has that whole, um, monologue where you, she, she gets portrayed as this sort of lovable psycho, um, most of the time, but you know, here you, you, you kind of get that glimpse into the fact that that comes from a place of like real trauma, you know, and the same thing with like polka dot, polka dot man, yeah. polka dot guy, yeah. um, you know, talking about how you, you know, you find out that he and all of his siblings were experimented on by their scientist mother who was trying to create superheroes. And so he gets this, you know, um, weird but sort of unexpectedly powerful power of being able to launch these polka dots that are, are almost kind of like laser you know polka dots or whatever um but at the same time you know they affect his body and it, it turns into this almost like giant chicken pox type rash and he has to vomit them up in order to you know keep from just getting devoured by them um so I like the fact that, that they kind of went through each one of the main characters and showed, you know, where all of this really came from, because, you know, for the most part with villains, a lot of times it comes from a place of, you know, relationships, especially familiar, familial relationships and, and even specifically parents. And then, you know, you even get with, um, with Peacemaker and um, Bloodsport, it is Bloodsport, right? Yeah. Okay. I always, I, I always, I, yeah, I, I want to call it like because we had Will Smith's character, and so I always want to be like Bullseye, Deadeye, Deadshot. What is this? Who Bloodsport? Okay, yeah. there we go. That's um, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, Mar- Marvel is Bullseye. Yeah. Then I think right. he's, I think he's Deadshot, and then yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, and I and I always wanted to call John Cena. Well, I wanted to call John Cena John Cena, but then after that, <laughs> I, I kept thinking of Peacekeeper, and I'm like, no, it's Peacemaker. So anyway, um, <laughs> but they they kind of have, you know, not only does um, Bloodsport have basically the same backstory as uh, you know Will Smith's character from the first Suicide Squad, but then Peacemaker and Bloodsport basically have the same. Uh, backstory and they they point that out where it, you yeah. know it's their fathers tried to basically raise the perfect soldier whatever so I appreciated um, all of that and you know it's it's just and it was funny to me that then I think the two characters that really resonated most or maybe there was the most em- emotional attachment to were the shark the, and and the lady that I didn't even really know she was going to be in the movie um rat catcher too so um yeah. so th- those two characters were a lot of the heart of the movie for me but it had a lot to go around yeah absolutely yeah i'm glad you brought up that yeah king shark and rat catcher too like king shark again like another you know creature that says very little that's not human you know like kind of like groot ish 
yeah. and is so endearing. And like, it's not, it's just trying so hard to fit in, trying to, you know, read a book. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. all these things that he's doing to try to <laughs> appear yeah. like, you know, to be able to keep up I, yeah. I, just his longing for, you know, for some sort of relationships, you know, I, that's, it's a, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's just amazing how he was able to do so much with, yeah, the CGI shark yeah. God thing. I don't know. And then Red Catcher yeah. too, you know, talking about all these backstories, like for her to kind of at the end, almost some, you know, somewhat save the day, have be the mm-hmm. victorious kind of save the others. She's the one that despite her kind of mess, you know, odd past did have a mm-hmm. like loving kind of companion. And even like, you know, she said with like bless her, like she wished that for him. And you know, I wish, you know, had it's for you too. And I love how he's like, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. going to, save you know i'm gonna get you out of this and she's like no i'm gonna get you this. yeah and she was the one to kind of i don't know to uh, yeah to kind of be the one to kind of save the day at the end i just i i loved how they yeah handled the backstory of the heart and it didn't feel forced it didn't feel um like they were trying to cram anything in there which it seemed that's what my big fear when i saw the cast and saw all the mm-hmm. kind of build up how are they going to make us care and but i mean i don't know i should Maybe I should have doubted it. it was James Gunn. So he, you know, he's done it before, but oh man, it was really impressive. And I was always worried about her rat, like her primary rat that she, I was like, yeah. that, that rat Sebastian. better not die. Sebastian. I can't yeah. remember his name, oh, but I'm goodness. like, Sebastian better not die. Yeah. <laughs> well, after all, all the heartless death in the film, like I was like, yeah. I, don't, I wouldn't put it past Gunn to just like brutally destroy that yes, thing at what, some point. What, and what did he have against birds? My goodness, you know, I mean, you've got the scene at the beginning where the character oh, kills yeah. uh, the bird with the tennis ball, and then they set the bird cage on fire. Oh, and, and it's like, man, what is what is your issue with birds? I don't <laughs> know, man. Yeah, I will say though, like, um, you know. Uh, talking about you know sort of the strength of the female characters and making them kind of central and stuff. I also really, <laughs> I'm laughing just thinking about it. Like they find out that Harley has been taken captive mm-hmm. um, by you know the the antagonist, and they mount this like secret you know black ops rescue mission. And, like you, you can already tell that you know blood sport and peacemaker like they live for this. So like oh yeah. we're gonna go we're gonna kill and you know we're gonna. <laughs> Oh man, like 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 it's beyond just enjoyment for them. Like mm-hmm. they are getting psyched to get to do this, <laughs> and they're about to like climb up the wall. And she just walks out the door. <laughs> she's like, "Hey guys, I'm like what are we doing?" <laughs> like she's already she's killed everybody herself and just yeah. managed to get get through, which is another James Gunn kind of thing. It reminded me of, um, especially Guardians too, like when uh, Michael Rooker in that film as well, when Yondu and Rocket were breaking in breaking out of the ship and like watching on the monitors just how to like kill everybody like by watching the security monitors and stuff and just taking down the whole ship by themselves and um and so like to see her like go through and take out all these guards and then just walk out and they're like what are you doing we're here to rescue you whatever and then she's just like you guys were gonna rescue me. Like she's yeah, just so yeah. touched yeah, by yeah, yeah. everything and just comes. Oh man, I, I really, you know, I, I'm I'm not a big Harley Quinn fan, mainly because of what popular culture has done to that yeah, character. Yeah, like, yeah. She started off in stinking Batman the Animated Series, you know, as as wholesome as a female villainous sidekick could probably be, right. and uh, well. 
comic artists will do what comic artists will do. Um, and so I'm glad that they've kind of taken a step back to not make, you know, her visual appeal, the most interesting thing about her. And, and like, because, because there is this sort of like comedic psychosis about her. That's just sort of like, she's naively crazy. And, 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 uh, and it works with that character when it's performed well. And I think Margot Robbie does a good job in how she performs it as an actress. So, I mean, I never saw the movie they made for her, um, oh no, I didn't either. But between this and her other suicide, she did much better in this one. Um, I thought it was a better portrayal of her character. Um, and then what was I going to say? Oh, I was looking up some trivia, and I just thought you'd get a kick out of this, in particular, Jared. So I think we had mentioned when we did the Army of the Dead episode that um, James Gunn had reached out to Dave Batista about being at Suicide Squad, and he couldn't do it because he was he was doing that classic Army of the Dead instead. Oh, and apparently he was, he was he was almost Peacemaker. Um, which, huh. to be honest, I think John Cena made a better Peacemaker than Batista would have. Like, yeah. because in, in John Cena's words, he described Peacemaker as a D-bag Captain America. Yeah. Which is... <laughs> Which is people who don't like John Cena kind of think that's what he is in the first place. Right. So, like, I mean, it, which may be not so much of a stretch for him as an actor, but I, I thought that was perfect casting. And I was really impressed by Cena as an actor in that ro- role. Now, I haven't seen his his magnum opus of F9, but um, but I thought he was really good here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, tell me how it stacks up against Dom Toretto. I, I mean, F9, you know, it's it's John Cena playing Dom Toretto's little brother. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if anything else is required. Um, but yeah, and, and that was that was part of the reason that I was iffy about this movie is knowing he had a big part in it. And like, can I uh, just kind of wondering, can I know this is an ensemble cast, but am I am I going to be just seeing John Cena? stuck in the middle of all this and yeah. um no I, yeah i thought you were right i think you're right i thought he he you know played that part well and um especially you know when he gets sort of this darker i don't want to say turn but this sort of um that's you know peel, peel, peeling back yeah that that layer of his of his character and seeing what he's willing to do i think that was part of what um helped sell it for me yeah, and uh, Joel Kinnaman, man, like he he got a second swing at Suicide yeah. Squad too. I thought he was he was so much better this time around. Um, oh, yeah. Thinking about John Cena and like the scenes those two shared together um, was 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 really quite surprisingly good as well. Yeah, yeah, I've always I've liked him since I saw him in a series called The Killing on AMC. Oh, that's right, uh, and so that was like his first. That was his first role that I've seen him in, I think, period. I think it probably at least, you know, the the biggest one he was um, known for at that point. And so I've, I've liked him ever since that. Hmm. Oh, man. I'm trying to think about anything else. Um, I mean, certainly not necessarily trying to wrap up yet, but are there any other things you guys want to dive into with this? Because I'm kind of stalled out at the I, moment. Yeah, I, I want to add in one thing, and I... I 
I'm afraid I don't want to be this that that guy that always brings up this this topic. But I I did I was amused or was intrigued by the way they kind of brought in um, uh, U.S. <laughs> How would U.S. relate diplomatic relations with other smaller nations? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, there's there's a podcast that I listened to. I I did, um, it was based. It was called a uh, what is it called? Script apart, and it's ba- they interviewed James Gunn. And kind of just talked about the script and you know why he decided to do certain things. And you know it was an interesting you know interview. I really liked a lot of what James Gunn said. But the, the interviewer was like, you know, you know, hey, what made you want to do a more, have a more critical look at the U.S. government or something like that? And James Gunn was well. I don't know about credits. Isn't it just more realistic? And so right, and the idea right. of like frequently <laughs> being involved in matters, you know, in, in, in smaller culture anyways. Um, and I was really intrigued that like that kind of ultimately was like the main, you know, Amanda, you know, Waller was yeah. kind of probably the main villain, but it was kind of all in the interests of the U S no, you know, no matter what the casualties. And I, I it was, a uh, I was interested and I, I, I didn't catch that at all from the trailer, any sort of, I don't know, any sort right. of, uh, there was no. It was kind of a, a surprise, and it was. I was. It was a not an interesting kind of additional layer to the to the film that I was intrigued by, and and that way you can kind of see all the different motivations of the characters and why they would do certain things, uh, with that information, with that knowledge. I thought was, I, I really enjoyed a lot. Yeah. Same. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and, that was no. That was well done. Go ahead, Tim. I was going to say, and even and kind of even looking at it and this might be my own lens it may not have been intentional but just that with that layer in mind you know there's that one scene where they they're going in to to save you know flag from this camp and they just kind of a suit you know waller tells them yes and they just and it's 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 (laughs) i feel bad at how hilarious it is but it's one of those kind of just flipping all your expectations on its head you know they go in and just wipe out this camp and it turns out they're the freedom fighters yeah and it's hilarious, but it's also almost kind of a similar view of like the ugly, like we, you mm-hmm. know, they're like, Hey, we're on your side. You know, like you think you're going in to save the day and you end up, you know, just making a, a, a much bigger mess than you realize. And, um, it, it kind of also reminded me of, you know, us relations, even, even with even the good intentioned, uh, relations, you know, the, <laughs> it was a real, it was a real team America world police. Yeah. Vibe. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. they come into the tent and find, you know, flag totally safe, drinking tea yeah. with the leader of the resistance. <laughs> and she's like, how come none of my people alerted oh. me to your presence? And the way, yeah. and the way Elba and Cena at the same time were like, I didn't see anybody. Yeah. Like, anybody here. I was just like playing it off. So far. Oh man, and, it was hilarious. And what a, what a great toy. Uh, I mean, I hate saying great, because, <laughs> but what a, what a toy. I mean, just the dark, but hilarious. Ah, turn. I mean, I, I just really, that, yeah, that got me. That was great. Well, that's also a great, um, illustration though, that in capable hands, you can still make that, you can still make that analogy, Mm -hmm. even in the context of humor, even if it's dark humor Mm -hmm. and still still get it across effectively because, you know, it would be one thing if it was, I don't know. I, I'm sure if I think hard enough, I could think of a movie to criticize. But um, the fact that we still have those feelings, even though we responded to the comedy of it, mm-hmm. and but we still didn't lose, yeah. you know, what was being 
communicated and the subtext is a real testament to mm-hmm. the cast and, and gun and, yeah. and, uh, and, and all of them together there. Yeah. And one mm-hmm. thing I liked and, and gun mentions this in the podcast, again, this podcast script apart, he, I, I really appreciate this too, because he really criticized a lot of like, even Mar- Marvel sometimes, you know, where like the, the final battle, you know, most fight scenes, it's just for the fight. There's not a lot of storytelling in that process. And he really wanted, even in those kind of, uh, scenes where it's just kind of battle scenes, he wants to kind of con- to contribute to that story. And so the idea of, you know, this, this kind of destruction of this, this camp, it served many purposes. And one of it, you know, was of course just blood sport and peacemaker, their own little sort of, you know, showing off for t- you know, going back and forth, but then also this underlying yeah. thing, you know, of them just kind of really making a mess of things. There was just a, a lot of other kind of layers to, to the violence. And even throughout the film, you know, there's, more happening than just the, than just, you know, needless sort of killing. <laughs> Gunn is pretty good at using his battle scenes to actually advance the narrative. Um, I think about the climax of the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie too, which is one of my yeah. favorite MCU moments of the entire universe. Um, yes, yes. Which is, you know, I just call it the take my hand scene. Like, there's not actually a lot of fighting happening there, you know? It's just it's really more of a story driven narrative moment that, that resolves the battle. Um, and so, um, that is something, you know, I think about, uh, I know he's, he's had his ups and downs, but Max Landis is a pretty good storyteller, at least when he's like in the moment pitching a story. Mm -hmm. And, um, he said that, about Man of Steel a long time ago when he first, which, which Jared, I'll, I'll have you know, I think he's walked back his criticism of Man of Steel. and, and really? walking, okay. Yeah, he's actually walked back a lot of film criticism, period. Yeah. I think he is, he, I think he's chilled out a little bit with everything uh-huh. he's probably been through yeah. and realized that when you're looking at art, like, who are you really to like, I mean, you know, you can obviously have your favorites and stuff, but like to, to trash things because they're not executing maybe what you had in mind in your vision is, is something different. But, um, he used to say there that he preferred action to serve the story rather than be a set piece where he used, he compared, um, Reservoir Dogs and the Italian Job, like you know, just like you know, these are two movies about groups of thieves or whatever. But you know, one is narrative driven and one is kind of action, uh, plot driven. That's what he would say. Right. Um, and and um, char- character driven versus plot driven. And um, and I think Gunn, probably more, maybe Ryan Coogler too, um, with Black Panther, and we'll see when the next one, when he gets done with the next one, but those two in particular, I think, um, are probably, and, and the Russos. Okay. All right. Those three. (laughs) Um, and no, uh, no. Okay. Um, are probably the best at having character, um, character driven action pieces rather than plot driven. Cause if you look with the Russos, obviously you have infinity war and Endgame. but I'm even thinking back to civil war, you know, that is an incredibly character driven fight at the end of that movie. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, you look at guardians one, you look at black Panther and Killmonger and, and, you know, and then actually the whole battle in Wakanda really, you know, there's so many, there's, there's layers to, to that fight. 
as well. So, you know, I, and um, you just, you, it doesn't, it, it may not always deliver on the visuals. Sometimes you get both, which is great, but you definitely have more of an emotional investment there. And, you know, the, the old uh, Suicide Squad ended up not really, I think they tried to have a character driven moment at the climax of their film, but also they just kind of, they were in the middle of like, it's time to put a sky beam at the end of the superhero movie trend. Um, and so, you know, it just, it just didn't work out the way I think they, the, the way they probably wanted it to, um, as time continues to pass away from that film. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought I got executed so much so well, uh, in this film. I don't know how many times I'll watch it, but, um, because it is just a bit much, but, but he executed it really, really well. Yeah. Um, so here's a question. So, um, we won't do like a full ranking, but if you could just like, where, where would you put this, um, you know, amongst let's, let's start at man of steel up until now. So, you know, cut the Nolan Batman films out, cut your Michael Keaton's and Val Kilmer's out from, from man of steel, from Zack Snyder on where, where would you put this, um, in the sort of listing of, um, DC films. That's tough. Yeah. Oh man. Well, really since hard, we're yeah. since we're thinking about it, I'll um, I'll say at least top five for me. I think. Yeah. Um, I have a hard time. Um, putting it above uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, which left a really yep. good impression on me. Right. Um, the first Wonder Woman as well, and strangely enough, Zack Snyder's Justice League went back and redeemed a lot of Man of Steel for me. Um, getting to see where that eventually ended up, it did not redeem Batman v Superman for me, but right. but <laughs> it did redeem Steel. Um, so I think. Maybe maybe fourth. I I think I I think I might have liked it better than Shazam, just with with uh, for accounting for for personal preference um, there. But I I think top five, maybe four or five for me. Yeah, I well, and I I have not seen Shazam um, somehow still, but uh, I think for me it would probably be third behind. Wonder Woman and Zack Snyder's Justice League. Now, I like Man of Steel better than probably 99% of people. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, and, and, and I think like if you just changed a couple of small things, like it could go from like, you know, for me, like a seven and a half to like a nine or something like, but um, I think objectively rating it like even though it's maybe my favorite um, DC non any my favorite non Nolan DC film, uh, although Wonder Woman, the first Wonder Woman, I don't know, I'd have to decide between those two. Um, but obje- trying to objectively rank them, I would probably put Suicide Squad third uh, above it, but just behind Wonder Woman and. Uh, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, and and that one even is tough to 
I mean, it's a four hour movie, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. not even, it's not even exactly a movie, you know, I mean, so, um, <laughs> so just, so, um, Suicide Squad is, is up there really high for me. Okay. I would, I would say the same probably like really either I haven't, man, I have to think more about it, but I, I think I might yeah put it third as well. I mean, at the moment it might fluctuate yeah. a little up there, but yeah, I mean, I, I would rank it pretty highly. I, I think just a lot of what he pulled off that, you know, it's, it kind of is like one of those right moment type thing, right place, right time. Like, I don't know if, if stuff like this could happen or will happen. And I, I just a lot of his decisions and picking characters and um, just things you would never expect on, on film. I don't know. I thought was, was a lot of fun. I'm glad he, he got away with it. <laughs> yeah. There was, um, <clears throat> I may have already lost the page. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Um, looks like I've already lost it, but Gunn was quoted as saying, you know, I think there's, and I think there's this, this speaks to part of the charm of um of the suicide squad as a property in general but also gun being the the director of this is that you know that at this heart this film is about bad guys who are such terrible bad guys they're not even very good at being bad <laughs> um and you know you see that kind of heart break through and um you know there is a real moment towards b- before the action climax let's say maybe the emotional climax of the film where there's a real standoff um, kind of a moral standoff between John Cena and uh, Joel Kinnaman's character, and that is sort of the breaking point for for a lot of the characters in determining like what kind of person are you really? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. like who are what are you really defined by? Yeah. Um, and can you redeem that and be defined by something good, or are you going to allow allow yourself to be wholly defined by your mistakes? You know. Um, and so, you know, uh, we don't deserve to have that good of an impact on a mo- coming through in a movie like this, yeah, yeah. like, you know, like, I don't know what gun is thinking, you know, you know, mm-hmm. pouring in this quality. It's like, you know, it's, you know, it's like getting a hot dog and they, you know, chopped up some filet on top or something. I'm like, Hey man, I, I just, I was expecting a hot dog. I yeah. wasn't expecting anything premium on top of this. And, yeah. and here he is, you know, and that's, um, that's kind of what gun does for you lately with, with stuff like this is you, he'll show you something that's going to be, you know, wacky and off the wall and you go in expecting that and he gives you way more than you asked for yeah. in, in the best ways. Yeah. Um, he's, he's a real over performer and, and I think that's a, that's an awesome thing. I totally agree. I just, I mean, just the fact that one of the, I mean, I don't know if it's the very last shot, but it's close. One of the last shots is the, the rat was it Sebastian that was on, on on his like lap and he pets it. And it's like this big moment because Mm -hmm. I mean, you just know all, you know, his phobia and all this. He had been traumatized. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And just working through all that through the film, you know, and in the beginning he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm worthless. I'm no, you know, there's no good in me. And then by the end, he's like leading the group. And I mean, all this stuff that he never thought he'd do, uh, man. And just, yeah. And then petting a rat and it's this cathartic moment. It sounds, I mean, when you just on its own outer con, it just sounds so silly, but it, it, but in the moment, it's just this, there's this depth to it, this weight to it. It's really, really wonderful. Well, and it's so interesting too, because you know, he doesn't want to go 
on the mission and Amanda, you know, he yeah. thinks he's not going to live through it. And yeah. Amanda Waller says, you know, well, you, you are capable of being a leader, whether you believe it or not. And that ends up blowing up in her face because she's right. Yeah. Um, but once yeah. he decides to be a leader, he's not going to, he's not going to do what she wants anymore. Right. And everyone else has got his back. And, you know, so it's a, uh, yeah, it's a, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting course of events. Yeah, that line when when you know he he's defying her towards the end, you know, and she's threatening and they're like, "Man, Waller, she's going to kill you." And he's like, "That's her business." You know, I mean just like he knows what he's going to do is he's going to try to do the right thing and he's going to kill her. That's 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 her thing. I don't know. I just yeah, that was that was great. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was quite cool. Seeing them all walk towards the starfish together, you know, the three that are left in. It did, you know, like I, um, I was talking to some other friends of mine from work and how, um, you know, for the, like, the the obscene comedic action hero, hero movie, I don't want to call it a genre because I don't want there to be a ton of movies like this. But honestly, I, I prefer this to Deadpool. Um, and I kind of got that vibe. Uh, of them walking towards the hilariously oversized starfish villain. Um, like Deadpool and Colossus, you know, walking towards the, the villain at the end of Deadpool. So, you know, it's just a sort of like, this is not going to work, but we're going to try to be heroes anyway kind of thing, you know. And um, it's just so um, satisfying. Like, I mean, it was just... It was just a, it, it really, I don't think I've felt like this probably since I saw the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, because in between being entertained by the film itself, I was just in wonder that this was working at all. Yeah. Like, how yeah. does this even work? Like, this has no business being as good as it is. Right. And yet here we are. Yeah. Which always seems to be the best compliment we give DC films these days. <laughs> It's good. It doesn't have it. I think we said that before (laughs) with another, it shouldn't be this good, but it is. Well, we said that with Cobra Kai, uh, you know, because that's right. For for a YouTube series. So it's like DC films and straight to YouTube movies. There's like, it shouldn't be this good. You know, exactly. (laughs) Well, any last words on suicide squad before we flip the switch and detonate these charges on this podcast? Uh, I'm curious to see, you know, they've got um, a Peacemaker HBO Max series coming that's being done by uh, James Gunn. So I'm going to be kind of curious to see, you know, where that goes. And, you know, I mean, that's going to be the whole or I assume most of the spotlight on John Cena. So it's not in an ensemble now, you know, it's kind of his um vehicle his his starring role and i'm curious to see where they go with that and if they sort of redeem that character or or what um but uh yeah for for i'm curious if they'll go prequel or continuity there uh the post-credit scene show him surviving yeah that 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 led me to think that it was like when when i thought he died i'm like okay well i guess this is going to be a prequel and then once i saw that i'm like oh uh, i guess i guess they're continuing forward with it um i think it would be i mean i I don't know how interesting it would be if it was a prequel based on who the character is now um so i'm i'm interested for for a sequel and maybe they'll work 
maybe they'll work Weasel in there because Weasel actually <laughs> did did survive Tim. You know, That's we right. saw That's we right. saw at the end he you know came back to life and oh had no idea what was going on. So oh my gosh, uh, yeah, yeah, Peacemaker and Weasel. That's the series we need. Yeah, it's going to be the new Hobson Shaw. Yeah, 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 yeah. A modern, that's a modern superhero take on Turner and Hooch. Peacemaker. And oh my gosh. Oh gosh, that's great. It's going to be like Alf, too, where, like, you know, they're constantly trying to keep him from eating the cat. You know, Joel yes. Kinnaman's character said, you know, at the beginning says, you know, oh no, he's harmless. Well, he's, he's not harmless. He's murdered 27 children, but, you know, he's not aware. <laughs> He's not a werewolf. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh. Uh, weirdest name. They, maybe maybe DC just needs to let I mean it wouldn't work with every property, but maybe maybe let uh, James Gunn just be their Kevin Feige of any sort of comedic properties. Like, you know, he can't do yeah. Bat, he can't do Batman, he can't do Superman, but I don't know. Just let him have a bunch of them. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I should stop getting my hopes up with DC properties when I see trailers, but I'm very interested to see what Matt Reeves does with Batman. Cause yeah, same. Av- after coming across those trailers again with the, you know, the Nirvana background and stuff and everything like this is who I like this vision of yeah. Batman. Um, so I'm interested to see what Pattinson does with it. Cause he's a talented actor. He, he kind of had that Brad Pitt, um, trajectory where he started off with a lot of pretty boyisms, but mm-hmm. has found himself in some really good roles. So, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Tim, any any final thoughts for you? Not really. One thing that reminded me we were talking about ranking films and Man of Steel. I, I did remember reading somewhere, hearing somewhere, somewhere that early into the process, like, as Gunn was writing the script or working on it, Alan. He initially had planned or was thinking about making Superman be there, the villain, instead of Starro. Um, mm. But quickly abandoned it just because of, you know, I think during that time there was a lot of questions about the DC, you know, all the, the universe and what was going on. And, and he was like, you know, I just kind of want to avoid all, all those questions. So, so I'm yeah. glad he, he made that change. But I thought that might have been a fascinating take as well. But I, I'm really glad they, they did Starro because, yeah, when else are you going to see a, a giant star? I mean... And it worked, right. and it, it you know I, that's that's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's unbelievable. So I'm um, I'm glad they didn't do that, and I'm glad they didn't allude to it really hardly yeah. at all either, other mm-hmm. than saying Bloodsport had once shot Superman and put yeah. him in the ICU, which I'd heard maybe they might you know be tempted to revisit that story at some point, but I don't really know yeah. how much you can get out of that mileage wise. Yeah, but I'm glad I'm glad they didn't tie it in to a major figure because. The one more time with the Ayer Suicide Squad and Jared Leto's Joker, I I had a feeling the first few times we the, those those initial trailers came out was, are they going to put together the Suicide Squad to try to assassinate the Joker because that would be, oh man, amazing. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, I had a better idea than what the movie was actually going to do. <laughs> so it was a major disappointment. So, uh, but oh well. Um, yeah. So, anyways, well, I guess I guess that does it for the uh, for tonight's episode variants. Uh, sorry again for uh, the unfortunate timeliness of that title, but uh, such is life these days. Um, you can find Loki on Disney Plus. You can find the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer on YouTube or 
pretty much any social media platform at this point. And you can find The Suicide Squad on HBO Max at current time, and I'm sure you can again in the near future as well. Um, we hope to join you again next week with more stuff, and uh, it's just good to be back. And, guys, it's been nice uh, reconvening. Um, hopefully we'll be able to do this again real, real soon. And uh, until next time, keep working on your night cheese. It's a modern superhero take on Turner and Hooch. Peacemaker and Hooch. <laughs> <laughs>